It's Monday, April 9th, and this is Market Foolery. I'm Chris Hill, and joining me in studio today from Motley Fool Stock Advisor, Jason Moser, from Motley Fool Asset Management, Bill Mann. Gentlemen, happy Monday. Welcome happy back, Chris. We are back. Welcome back. We are back after a little bit of time off. Uh, AOL has made a billion-dollar deal. McDonald's is searching for the perfect French fry. We're going to start with Avon. Avon has a new CEO, Sherilyn McCoy, a vice chairman at Johnson & Johnson, has been chosen to lead the cosmetics company. Um, guys, yeah. shares down 3.5% this morning. Is that is that? Yeah, it's a bad market day. Yeah, yeah. but it, it's a worse market day for Avon. It's a Avon. worse market day for Avon. So, so Avon got a bid. The So basically, the Avon's old CEO, uh, Andrea Jung, they figured she'd had enough time. So she's been out for, for a couple months now. And uh, Avon received a hostile bid from Cody, which is a much smaller company, for about $10 billion yep. last week. And um, a lot of people tend to think that they, you know, they, they were resistant to, this, to the offer, thought it was too low. A lot of people think that they went out and kind of rushed to find someone to get into the chair. And uh, they found her. And you know, she basically did not get the top job at, at uh, J&J. Which is fine. Only one person can have it. Yeah. So she's on the move. Um, well, and and to that point, Jason. I mean, you know, as Bill said, she's one of the two finalists for the top job at Johnson and Johnson. You know, obviously it's a good. huge company. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so um, you know, but as we were talking about before the taping, I mean, hopefully she's going in with her eyes wide open because Avon is a company with it's a mess, a lot yeah. of challenges. I, I hope so. I mean, she's going in. I mean, she's a scientist by training and not not a salesman or a saleswoman, and she's going into a company. I looked at this and Avon. You know, if you go back all the way to 2001, they have restructuring charges on their on their income statement for every year save one. Yeah. Wow. And those are supposed to be one-time charges. <laughs> yeah. If Avon were a model, it's been putting on mascara with a hammer, right? <laughs> <laughs> I think you've got to give her a little time to try to go in there and work some magic, but it's, it's, yeah. she's got to work it out for her for sure. And, Bellman, among the challenges that Avon is facing, um, you know, some operational difficulties overseas. Right. There is Lack also, of, say, earnings. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. And, and uh, there's this federal investigation into possible bribing dun, of dun, foreign dun, officials. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you've, you've worked overseas. You've bribed officials before. <laughs> I wasn't going to say that. I wasn't going to say that. But I guess now my, it's, it's so, my yeah. question is, I mean, how, how, how much of this is the, the cost of doing business, no pun intended, overseas, and how much of this is, is a legitimate problem? I can't, you know, I can't really speak to the facts of this case, so let me just make fun of it in a general <laughs> sense. I mean, it's, you know, in, in a lot of countries, it's just the course of doing business. When yeah. I was when I was working in India many years ago, we were trying to get a, you know, a project up and running, and uh, I was talking with some guys who were in the hotel we, where I was staying, and uh, they were from France. And they said, well, who are you paying off? I said, well, we're not paying off anyone. They said, well, <laughs> <laughs> how will you get anything far. done? <laughs> and it's just – I mean, it's just, it's just true. So I think probably the case with Avon is that uh, the person who they were paying off was either the wrong guy, which is a scandal in and of itself uh, – or there was a power shift, you know. So yeah, it's 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 kind of a kind of a cost of doing business, and it's it's terrible that that it's true, and perhaps it's changing. But yeah. So from an investor's standpoint, and you can you can just focus on Avon, or you can just sort of broaden this. Anytime a new CEO comes in, what's what is a fair time frame to give someone? Obviously, anytime there's a transition at the top, there are going to be you know some bumps along yeah. the way. What is a legitimate? amount of time to say, okay, Jason, we're going to give Sherilyn McCoy, is it three months? Is it six months? Eight minutes. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> That's what we got today. <laughs> I mean, if I step into my nice shoes here, I mean, I would, I mean, I would hopefully see two years at least from 
uh, from from anyone because you want to try to see a trend. You want to see if, if things can change, get some quarters behind you, and see if you can develop some positive trends and, and sort of a strategy of where they want to take the business. I mean, I know that you know two years sounds like probably a lot, and and many probably don't enjoy that luxury. But I would hope for you know at least two years. But but there's also part of me that wonders if they are not just sort of preparing themselves for the ultimate, right. you know, I think the market. I think the market, I think that's right. I think the market is way too impatient. You know, I think it's, you know, it is really true that, that uh, managers feel the pressure on a quarter by quarter basis. It really depends on the company. It re- really depends on the situation, though. I mean, w- with Avon, you have a turnaround and a turnaround yep. is not going to happen tomorrow. And they have actually, they've lost some of their brand power. So it's going to take a little bit of time. And so I really would say several years, but I, for, for for me, and I say this also in the con- you know in the construct of our business, you know when you know in, in the mutual fund business, we like to be you mm-hmm. know we 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 like to say we're looking at two years and out. I think it's very fair to allow the CEO to define. So the CEO says, well, if we're in the same place three years from now, then I haven't do- done a good job, and a lot of them will do that. Then I think right. that's that's really noteworthy, and it's fair. Shares of AOL up more than 40% this morning after the company agreed to sell more than 800 patents to Microsoft for just over a billion dollars. Um, 800 I, patents. I, I, I didn't even think they had that many patents. I, I know. I mean, it's, a, it's obviously a great day for AOL um, and, yeah. and its shareholders. Bill, what do you think? Well, so interestingly enough um, – yeah, so uh, a third party had come in and said that these patents, this patent portfolio, uh, was worth about two hundred million dollars. But a um, uh, an activist investor had come out in in the end of February and said that they thought that AOL could generate about a billion dollars on the patent. So the the activist investor was much closer than the uh, you know than the third party. So mm-hmm. I, ideally, this third party uh, won't won't get much more. Well, you know uh, evaluation what did work, you know right? what did it? CEO Tim Armstrong referred to these, and I quote. The patents are like beachfront property yes. in East Hampton. Wow. Not all of that them. That is high dollar. Yeah. That is high dollar. Well, and, and Jason, to Bill's point, because uh, I'm a Microsoft shareholder, I mean, I, I saw one quote in the journal where one, one analyst said, you know, most people working on the street thought that the portfolio of patents was worth about $300 million. So yeah. I, I'm, I'm prompted to ask, did Microsoft wildly overpay? It's possible. I mean, who really is to know until we actually see what they can do with these patents? And that's the trouble with patents and these kinds of companies like Microsoft or, yeah. or uh, even Interdigital Communications. You know, Interdigital Communications had their portfolio of patents up on sale uh, informally for, for a number of months and never was able to really fetch the price they were looking for while we always heard the rumors of Google or Microsoft right. or Apple possibly jumping right. in there. And so, you know, the patents are worth what people will pay for them. And who's to say that, you know, from a tech, from a tech point of view, that they won't become obsolete in in some amount of time, yeah. because these are patents that relate to advertising and search. And well, remember like that. that AOL owned uh, AOL was basically the developer, the owner of ICQ, which was the very one of one of the first right. uh, you know chat technologies. Yep. And so, this is a foundational patent, and it's probably worth a lot more to a Microsoft than it is to anybody else. And so that's an, that's a really important thing. I mean, if you were to give me these patents, they wouldn't be worth <laughs> a dollar, you know, because I can't do anything right. with them. You know, I, all I could do is try and repackage them and sell them to somebody else. But with Microsoft holding them, I mean, this is defensive for them. So I actually, I mean, I, I don't want to be definitive about this, but I, I kind of doubt that given the purchaser that they overpaid that I think, I think that Microsoft will be able to generate a lot more value and, you know, they're 
building the foundations a little bit more. And I think this is also just a testament to with with tech companies that have been able to build up that war chest on their balance sheet. You look at Microsoft today, they have about $51 billion in cash versus about $13 billion in debt. You know, we've been talking about Apple and all the money that they have. But yeah. this is exactly why these tech companies need to have this kind of cash on hand so they can basically control their own fate. Yeah. You know, they don't, they don't have to borrow to do this. I mean, they're paying straight up cash. It's, it's It basically equates to about $11.50 per share that goes to AOL well in this matter, and uh, Microsoft's not going to feel a pinch at all. Yep. I don't think so. Well, and we've kind of seen, and you guys alluded to this, sort of a, a land grab going on over yep. the last year or so when it comes to these technology patents. Yeah. Um, you look at Google paying $12.5 billion for Motorola Mobility, and you know that was largely for the patents. Um, as an in- they didn't want anything else from them. <laughs> <laughs> Just might- stop what you're doing. <laughs> Maybe some T-shirts, some branded merchandise. Step away from the phone. <laughs> um, but if you're an investor and you're looking at this, I mean, is it, it, it seems like there are two ways to play it. One way is to essentially bet on the giants, bet on the Googles and the Microsofts yeah. who have the war chest built up and they're willing to spend it. I mean, Jason, you mentioned Apple. They have a huge amount of cash on their balance sheet, but they're not looking to go out and spend it. Or at least if they are, they haven't demonstrated that over the last few years in the way that Google has. Yeah. But it also seems like one play for investors is to essentially go bottom feeding. I mean, if you if you bought AOL you know, a month ago on the theory that these patents are out there and you can, I mean, right. we, we, right. we take yeah, a long-term perspective at The Motley Fool, but if you're looking to take a short-term perspective, is, I, is this the single best reason to buy a company like Research th- in Motion? Well, I think you've got to see, I mean, I think w- w- the one clue with AOL is that there was an activist investor that was yeah. beating them across the head. I mean, they were saying, you are... You're terrible at what you're doing, and you have you have <laughs> this stuff. So, I mean, there are a bunch of patent co- companies out there. Rambus is one, and that and, and and that has not worked out well for investors at all because it's been you're kind of betting on a ultimately you're betting on a lawsuit or a series of lawsuits, and that's really hard to do. So, I think you have to look for. A, a monetization strategy in advance. And I think that AOL probably tipped it off. I think Yahoo may be in the same boat in some ways mm-hmm. because Dan Loeb is, you know, is shaking his fist at them mightily. And, uh, you know, but in, in general, patent companies, it, that's, it, it's, it's, it's pretty tough because ultimately you're betting on their ability to collect. Well, and this, but come on, this is America, the land of the free and home of the lawsuit. I, mean, <laughs> yeah. this, I would say that you have room to do a little bit of both here. I mean, I think that you can get your your money in with the the big names, the Apples, the Googles, and whatnot. But if you can look at some of these patent style companies like AOL or Interdigital Communications or even RIM, like we had talked about, mm-hmm. I think some of those companies are worth more as their parts rather than the whole. And so you can you can play the the bigger players, the winners in the space, and also play the smaller players to to get a little exposure to both. And, and I think that's a reasonable way to look at it. Yeah. McDonald's is searching for the perfect French fry. According to Bloomberg, Barbara Booth, the director of sensory Made of bacon. <laughs> a French fry made of bacon. I think we're done with this story. Let's move on. <laughs> Let's move on. You're welcome, McDonald's. Uh, according to Bloomberg, Barbara Booth, the director of sensory science at McDonald's, presided yes, over McDonald's French fry evaluation, a contest among several companies, including a division of ConAgra Foods, to cook perfect versions of McDonald's fries. Um, I have to read this quote. Um, Booth said that biting into a McDonald's French fry should be, quote, like walking on freshly fallen snow. <laughs> I'm not entirely Except sure. hot. It's, yeah. I don't know that and that crispy. analogy. I don't know that. Crispy, <laughs> crispy oil-saturated snow. Yum. 
Um, we were talking about this a little earlier. I mean, it seems like if you're a McDonald's shareholder, you 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 got to like at least the strategy that they're doing this combined with sort of their ad campaign around featuring their suppliers, their oh, potato yeah. growers, because they can't make the fries healthier, can they? They well, I I don't want to say they shouldn't, but that's not how. I mean, that, McDonald's has tried on a number of different occasions, and to, you know, and have succeeded in some places in you know offering a healthy menu. So I don't want to I don't want to sell them short there. But McDonald's French fries are not about losing weight. They are about the awesome. Right. So changing the you know changing the vector of the conversation, saying, look, this is coming from your local farmer, and don't worry about the fact that it's you know yeah killing you um we have two categories of snacks we have healthy snacks and we have indulgent snacks right. we guess, have he- guess which one the french fry is exactly exactly yeah 25 if you want grams yeah. of fat but they were locally sourced so. that's right and the fat was locally sourced too yeah. you're welcome well yeah. I, I mean we saw this with chipotle with their super bowl commercial i mean yeah. that, that got a great response i mean this i mean this could I mean, chipotle burrito is horrible for you i mean yeah. it's- <laughs> got a point <laughs> but it's but it's sold as being organic i mean you know and and you know and having yep. locally sourced and yeah, it's it's very smart because it's got rice and tomatoes and stuff like that and you can kind of see some of yes. the the healthy there lettuce it's crispy but and swine fries are just you know straight up grease right is this the, uh, i mean is this the best move for mcdonald's to make or is it their only move well i think they have to do it i mean they're facing you know a, just a slew of competition there in the fast casual dining segment from from every side i mean chipotle yes they do have yeah. a, a rather unhealthy burrito but man they're still selling them like hotcakes and because they're uh, delicious you know yeah i mean panera is another one that you know yeah. continues to develop their menu uh to to you know bring customers in from everywhere so i think mcdonald's is always going to be faced with the problem that they are fast food it's not it's not really a stigma it's just a fact yeah i think so, mcdonald's actually i think mcdonald's from a you know if you look at their results they're competing very, very well. McDonald's is M- McDonald's is doing fine, but I think that they are in some ways worried about perceptions, and they are worried about the fact that that either officially or unofficially there is you know there are trends that are, you know go away from you know fast food with no redeeming value. So they're out looking for their redeeming values, and I think that I think that's a very smart thing. And I think from a you know from a competitive standpoint, going out a couple of years, that's probably if they do it well, it's going to pay off. Yeah, and I'd say the perception factor is even a little bit less important now than it was before because they continue to make so much money overseas. I mean, about seventy percent of their oh, money yeah. is made overseas outside of the U.S. And I, you know, it is a little bit more of an important ideal here, uh, but I don't think it's 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 nearly the same out overseas. So. Yeah. Best French fry you've ever had, Bill? Man, you get a you're on a desert island. You get one French I get, fry. I get one French fry. You know which French fries I love? There's a there's a small chain called Houston's. Man, I thought you were going to go with what I was going to say. Oh, Houston's, and they have these super thin, tiny shoestring fries. I think. I, I think they are fried in pure bacon fat. I, where, don't, I don't know. Where I can't the, say this for sure. Where's the closest Houston's? There's one in Georgetown. Right. At least there was. Right. Last time, before I before I became a grown up and I could go to you know there was one there, Jason. I tell you, I feel like a tie here. Okay, you've heard of Bojangles, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, the Jangler has a what? No, what, what is Bojangles? Bojangles is chicken oh. and biscuits. It's a very southern, North delicious Carolina? sweet tea, yeah. chicken mm-hmm. and biscuits. But they've got these seasoned fries that, when they're cooked correctly. Right. Uh, they are they're terrific, and I the other one that I'd have to go. That with means you got to show up after about eleven <laughs> at night. Yeah, yeah you got to ask them: Are these fries fresh? Because um, yeah. and then the the Arby's curly fries, those are pretty good. Really? Yeah, mm. I got to go with Five Guys. 
Five Guys are good. Five Guys the, are just a little Old Bay on them. And they, they they never disappoint. Not Old Bay. It's Cajun, right? It's a, it's uh, Cajun Bay. Whatever it is, fried and peanut oil. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Drop us an email, radio at fool.com. We want to hear you got better fries. Exactly. <laughs> let us let us know. Our listeners were great about coming to the table with uh, with great burger recommendations. Oh man! And so by all means, radio at fool.com. Email us the best fries in the world. We want to know. And yes. Who knows? Maybe we'll make a road trip. <laughs> We make Maybe, who knows? <laughs> All right, we'll make a road trip. All right. Bill Mann, Jason Moser, guys, thanks for being here. Thanks. Thanks, Chris. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against, so don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's it for this edition of Market Foolery. Our producer is Matt Greer. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. <laughs> <laughs>